Hello and welcome to According to John. Today we're going to talk about what is the wrath of God. I noticed, Pastor John, you choose topics that most uh, preachers today kind of avoid, even though it's in all through the scriptures. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's smart or just that I'm not that smart. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what. God said, uh, preach the whole counsel of, of scripture. And this is a topic that is neglected, swept under the rug, pretend it's not in the Bible. Right. But uh, to be consistently a man of God, opening and teaching the Word of God, we're doing it because this is part of the foundation of thinking for for godliness. Right. Amen. Well, I am your host, John Westfall. This is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister. And we're going to get in on this topic, which really flows with the previous week. So if you didn't listen to last week's, you're going to want to listen, go back and listen to that as well, because I think that introduces how people experience the wrath of God. And this one here explains what the wrath of God is. So they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, So let's get, look, let's get on it, brother. Pray. Why don't you lead us in prayer here? I will do prayer and we'll get started because we need it. I think we need it because I'm, I'm working the buttons and trying to get it all going. All of a sudden I hit this one. There we go. They, our, our listeners didn't know we had such a large uh, audience. Here <laughs> exactly right. And I'm just trying Lord, to help us. Oh, thank you so much for tuning us in. Even though sometimes we are all together plugged yeah, in. We're, we're a mess. We need Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray your hand upon us. Father, that you are glorified and that we learn something Uh, at the end of this podcast, through this podcast, Father, and that we're different for listening to it, for hearing your word, Father, and for being obedient to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, what is the wrath of God? And as we we look at this, uh, wrath is defined as the emotional response perceived wrong and injustice, often translated as anger, indignation, vexation, or irritation. And the foundation of wrath is God's holiness. Holiness requires standards. Holiness is a standard. And violation of holiness requires wrath. Absolutely. It it has because for holiness to sustain that, it has to to be righteous and just, which means now sinfulness has to pay the penalty. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole idea of the wrath of God uh, from the holiness of God shows the theological foundation for the will of man. That God has given man a will, choose you this day whom you will serve, but there's a consequence for the decisions that we make. Right. It's just so commonsensical. Is that a word? It is today. (laughs) (laughs) Make them up as we go. I think sensical is a word. Okay, maybe, maybe not, but these people are smart enough to understand what we're talking about. Well, if it's not, that means I just (laughs) went away. (laughs) I'm trying to make you feel better. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. English is not my strong suit, you know. Some classes required you to stay awake. English is one of them. But uh, God's holiness uh, is is fabulous. Uh, some people are like are down on the holiness of God, but right. let me tell you, when you um, have been sinned against, you're going to want justice. And right. You want you want holiness. And you want right. a righteous judge, whom God is. Right. And uh, so, uh, and, God, and we're going to cover that. Yeah, we're going to we're going to talk about that because uh, both humans and God express wrath. We do. Right. We, we have, cause listen, they deserve to pay. And so we want to pour our wrath out on, on, on people. And then of course, God is no different, even though, uh, there's a vast difference between God's wrath and man's wrath in intensity and justification. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how Jesus used this 
principle of wrath and illustrated it when he told the story uh, of the guy that had the, the farm there and then he went away and, and had guys he hired to kind of run the, the farm. vineyard. Yeah. The vineyard. Yeah. I couldn't think of that. Word. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to figure out if you were on the prodigal son or, or the vineyard and then the when vineyard, you were like, yeah, yeah. yeah when, the farm. when the boy wasn't, when the boy didn't run away, the guy went away. Then I knew you were in the vineyard. There we go. <laughs> and then he sent his servants to check up on it and they, they, uh, to collect the money. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they abused them. He sent another servant and they abused him. And then he sent no, his no. only son. No, they, they killed him. They killed the they servants. Killed the servants and I'll send my son. No, and they killed him. So we see the wrath of man. But God's the wrath of man. Uh, well, you got that big point there. I, I already gave you five points. For <laughs> you summed it all up. Am, am I jumping ahead? But yeah, you're way ahead. But that's okay. We'll get to it. I'll, I'll remind you when I get my five points. Okay. No, I already got my five. But you just gave them to me. I just gave them to you. I do. He, he earned them, okay? I'm going to take that. Okay, well, we'll wait for the proper timing. Because you realize you haven't given me a point since you've been back. <laughs> you, you. I don't give points away too quick anymore, John. <laughs> you got to earn them but, boy so i'm not gonna jump ahead okay yeah but yeah yeah this is a huge point uh <laughs> the wrath of god which is based on righteousness yes and the wrath of man is different the wrath of god is always justified the wrath of man is rarely if ever justified yeah, yeah. and it's i'm holding uh, back I'm yeah holding yeah back. yeah right so we're gonna cover <laughs> <laughs> He's got some good stuff coming. I already know about it. I just having a hard time holding back. Dude, you got to shoot your that. ammunition so fast. <laughs> Dollar around. Boom, 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 boom. This is just great stuff. <laughs> so we're going to cover Old Testament uh, wrath and New Testament wrath. Because, well, we're going to cover it. So in the Old Testament, the wrath of God is is a divine response to human sin and disobedience. And idolatry was most often the occasion for divine wrath, right? They, they chose their God and it wasn't the right God. It was a little G God of make-believe God, a fake God, a made-up God, right? You know, the, can you imagine what that must have made God feel? He creates this incredible universe that for ever since man opened his eyes and saw the cosmos and you look at a flower and you watch the bees do that. You watch it and you're just in awe. So man comes along in the face of this great God who made all of this. And he takes, cuts down a tree and he carves out a little image and he paints it up. And then he puts it on like a little altar and he worships that statue, that right. figurine. It's, it must, it, well, it brought God's wrath. So in the book, Tortured for Christ, Richard Wormbrandt writes that, he meets this couple who they would make statues for Stalin. And so I think it was Stalin and they would chisel it out and they were, they were talking as a husband and wife, they did it as a team and they were talking amongst one another and they were wondering who God was. Right. And they're thinking there has to be a, a creator of all of this, right? Because it could not have just happened. Well, in the process of that, they decided that they would believe in the God of the thumb, right? They're like, we're going to believe in the God of the thumb because whoever made the thumb was able for man is what made man able separate from all the other apes and, the, and to do things that were unthinkable, yeah, like dexterity. Like, yeah. Yeah. The guy's like, I could never do my job without the thumb because I need a hammer and chisel. And how can I hold the hammer and chisel without my thumb? So they said, we're going to believe in the God of the thumb whatever god made the thumb that's the god we believe in wow right so then they meet richard wormbrandt and they were sharing with him and he said let me tell you the god of the thumb Mm -hmm. he shared jesus with them and they got saved amen right but they chose they're like we don't know what god who god is and so we're going to we're going to believe in the God that made the, but thumb. the heavens and the thumb declare the glory of God. the heaven. <laughs> and they picked it, they picked it up on it, but that that's my that's, point. That's awesome. Right there. It's like, they looked at it and went, this is so incredible and so thoughtful. And how can anything exist without it? 
especially humanity. So we're going to believe in the God that made the thumb. That's that's really cool. You get a point for that too. So that'll be six. Five coming, just got one. Dude, I'm, I'm not, in a good mood today. You are really generous. Amen. If you Man. brought me some good coffee, I'll give you some points. <laughs> I'll take it. So idolatry typically was was the most common thing that would bring about the wrath of God. And in Psalm 78, 56 through 66 describes Israel's idolatry. It says this, yet they tested and provoked the most high God. They tested and provoked. I find that very interesting. And, and, which means this is on top of testing and provoking. And God is a God of emotion. He created us with emotion. He is a God of emotion. Mind, will, and emotion, right? It's all going to fit in here. And did not keep his testimony. So they tested him, they provoked him, and they didn't keep his testimonies. But turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers, who we know died in the desert. They were turned aside like a deceitful bow. For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their carved images. Now, this isn't an ungodly jealousy, this is a jealousy of God going, wait a minute, that you're giving away what is mine. And so they moved him to jealousy with their carved images. And then it goes on and it says, or uh, when in verse 59, when God heard this, he was furious and greatly abhorred Israel. Verse 60 so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had placed among men, and delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He also, which by the way, the people of Israel was his glory. And he delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He also gave his people over to the sword and was furious with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men and their maidens were not given in marriage. Their priest fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a mighty man who shouts because of wine. And he beat back his enemies. He put them to a perpetual reproach. What's interesting about the fact that their maidens were not given in marriage, he stopped a reproduction of Israel. Like he was angry. Holiness. (laughs) Holiness gets angry at sin. And, And it was, and all of this had to do with idolatry. You know, it's idolatry is where it started, but once they get into that idolatry, then there's no evil thing that the idolaters will not embrace. We hit that in our last podcast, the depravity flowed, but people see these people worshiping at their little uh, temples that they would make, but the depravity that was present there, there were temple whores, Mm -hmm. both male and female prostitutes. People would come to worship these false gods and part of worshiping and the favor of, of the false gods would allow them to have sexual activity in the name of their religion. And I mean, I, there's sex at the tabernacle, if you please. Yep. I mean, it was, it was pathetic. Well, if you, if you, in the New Testament, if you go back and look at the church of Corinth, the, um, not that church, but the temple there, they allowed prostitutes on the steps of the temple and upwards of a thousand mm-hmm. prostitutes at a time would be on the steps because in Corinth, that was a, um, a merchant town and so ships would come in mm-hmm. and the sailors of course you know what happens when when the military rolls in mm-hmm. and dude how so people terrible. just have a lack of knowledge that's why we do these podcasts to teach the historical part of all of this and yeah. so you read about it, that oh it was just okay they were saying a predator that what's the harm in that well let me tell you when they said no to god on worship mm-hmm. they say no to god on everything and then right. that void it was made for holiness becomes filled with evil yep and evil manifests itself in moral uh, decadence. And so these temples where they worship these false gods were just given to complete depravity right. and sexual promiscuity and just the every, filth, every filth, sin, human yeah. sacrifice, human mm-hmm. sacrifice. And that's right. where God's wrath was poured out upon that. And, and here's the other thing, too. You look at today's world and the idolatry in today's world, computers, 
phone. Phones are probably the biggest idolatry right now. You take away a person's phone, they'll have a meltdown. They will not know what to do with themselves. When Facebook went down for three days, uh, it, 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 people were going crazy. They didn't know what to do with themselves. And it, uh, insomnia, the number one reason for insomnia today is Twitter. Wow. People laying awake at night waiting for a message to come across their phone. It is insane. Makes me glad I never got a Twitter account. <laughs> right? I had one. I got booted off. <laughs> You've been to Facebook jail, Twitter jail. Dude, I am. I You're am. not in Twitter jail. You're in t Twitter penitentiary. <laughs> and you know, the coolest part is, dude, that is all a badge of honor. I'll yeah, take it yeah, every time. Yeah, I'm proud of you for it. But when we look at that idolatry, it's no different today than what it was back then. It just might look different, but it's still the same thing. It's yeah. putting anything before God. Yeah, and, exactly. oh, it's, it's horrible today. And so the, the wrath of God is consistently directed toward those who do not follow his will. Deuteronomy 1, 26 through 46 talks about, says this, nevertheless, you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. And then it goes on. And for time's sake, we're not going to read it, but it's people that did not follow God's will. Joshua 7, 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Once again, God established the rules and they broke the rules. And when they broke the rules, it angered God. And today people, that's unacceptable to people. It's like, well, why should God be angry? Is he a narcissist? Is he that insecure? No, he's that righteous and that holy. And people are going to feel the wrath of God. And the day that that happens is going to be breathtaking as a too mild of a word yeah you know john you know some people want to say oh god is love god is love god is love and it's true but that's one side of the coin the other side of the same coin is he that believeth is not condemned but he that believeth not is, is condemned, condemned already. already it's it's all part of, of of reality right and we're living in a day where people want to kind of have their own theology we'll take the parts of the bible that we like and we'll dismiss the parts of the bible that we don't like oh it's get, a spiritual buffet and then they get angry at those of us who say well you know you can't have that without that <laughs> yeah you, it's not paste what a copy and paste that's mm -hmm. not how god wrote the scriptures that's right and psalm 2 1 through 6 and guys, listen to the words here. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The history of the world in two or three verses. Verse two, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Jesus, the anointed, Jesus. And today it's against the church as well, because mm -hmm. that's God's bride. We're trying to represent Jesus. We're trying to represent. Of course, we're doing a pretty stinky job nowadays. We, we could do a lot better, right? So then in verse three, uh, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And so what do we see? We see the people, the nations raging, the people plotting. Not, not, just, not just being sinful, but not just missing it. <laughs> plotting. It is, it is literally setting down and planning things against God. You mentioned Harari, uh, something Noel Harari, the right-hand man to mm -hmm. Klaus Schwab, the head of the... Uh, they are plotting. Yes, they are plotting the devil's uh, plans. Yeah, and, and their whole plot is to destroy humanity or to make mm -hmm. them into machines, mm -hmm. to have... 
uh, transience is the word that's used. And they're doing it through, uh, and he'll tell you, I mean, they're doing it through the vaccines. Mm -hmm. They're doing it through. That's Yeah. This isn't stuff we're making up. No. This is just quoting what these people are saying. And he was the highly recommended by Barack Obama. (laughs) That should have scared the snot out of everybody right there. If Barack, listen, here's one thing I've learned is if our government supports it, I better run from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, if the uh, media supports it, you better run from it. Believe the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I've been overwhelmed. We mentioned this just in our chit chat before the podcast today that I've been overwhelmed the last 90 days, just how deep, how deeply evil Satan is and the strong grip that he has on this planet. You know, in Revelation 6 or 19, the wrath of God falls upon the world. Uh, the, the wrath is waiting. And I'm thinking maybe some of that is happening now uh, through uh, demonic forces uh, in what's just in these vaccines. And we're seeing hundreds and hundreds of people Dropping dead, fabulous athletes. Have, have you ever seen a 20-something-year-old soccer player who is in the prime of his life who I don't know that you're going to find anybody in better condition than a professional soccer player. <laughs> yeah. And we've got over 400 of them now who have dropped over from a heart attack in the last year, year and a half. Mm, yeah, it's and the media is silent on all of this, of course, because they're all in bed together with a globalist. But, but that's all plotting. I'm not chasing a rabbit off course here. Mm. I, th- I think what we're witnessing now is the wrath of Satan against people, too. Mm. You know, Satan isn't like, oh, I'll bless you. I'll make life better. I'll make you rich. He wants to get you, get people Oh, he'll make you think God. that. And he'll, he'll put his favor upon you, give you riches and gold and silver, but ultimately he's going to take your life. He's a destroyer. He's the father of all lies, right. a murderer from the beginning. And so there's a lot of deep evil as the wrath of Satan is unfolding you know, in our culture today. What I find interesting is Satan promises the same thing that God promises us. God's promise is waiting for us in heaven. Satan's promise is waiting for us now. And Satan always gives instant gratification. That's his hook, his bait. Satan, uh, uh, God gives, uh, uh, it is a a delayed gratification, but it's eternal. Mm -hmm. Satan's is temporary. And God's is good for eternity. And Satan's is momentary pleasure until he has us and then ultimate destruction. Yep. It is just, they're, they're so polar opposites, but yet people will run to the now mm-hmm. because we've become an, a, a, I call it a microwave society. We're yeah. instant. Everything's got to be instant. And then ultimately what happens is when you take Satan's bait, you feel the wrath of Satan on earth and then the wrath of God afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's a double whammy. Yeah, this whole topic of wrath is something that uh, all of us need to study out deeply. Mm-hmm. I think uh, what Pastor John is bringing us uh, into the knowledge now is an introduction mm-hmm. to this. So this is something that will cause a little bit of holy fear in us. Mm-hmm. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yep. And we're in a world today, even a so-called Christian world, you just kind of tune out the wrath thing because, you know, we don't want to judge anybody. And well, God's, God's love. love. God's God, love. love. Come God's on. Love. God's love. And if he's love, he can't be wrath. He can't be both, you know. So let's just, I want to feel good. When right. I go to church, right. I want to feel good. Mm-hmm. And um, and by the way, you know, that's like saying as a, as a parent that you can't be love and a disciplinarian. That's just, in fact, I would say the the most biblically balanced disciplinarians are the greatest lovers. Yes, and I they, would agree. Because you can't have true love without discipline. And we can see it everywhere we go, can't we? Yes. And that's why the Bible says that if you spare the rod, you hate your child because you do not love them enough to teach them in the way they should go. And you'll spoil the child, you know. We think spoiled. Oh, that cute. They're spoiled. No, spoiled. You ever smelled spoiled meat? And we spoil. Rancid. We spoil people to where they're rancid. Yeah, and it's toxic and it's horrible. Yep. So having a, a biblical knowledge of God's wrath, how and why, 
and then the wrath of man, which we're coming to. Mm-hmm. And then it really here's the wrath of Satan. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, according to Jesus. Hell, uh, we say misery loves company, and Satan's goal is to take people to hell. Absolutely. And he'll draw them with, with lies and, and material gain and sexual favor. Any and all these way he can draw us. To get people away from Jesus unto himself, and then he destroys them. Yep. The Old Testament prophets often wrote of a day in the future or day of wrath, and this is in the future. It's prophetic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Zephaniah 1 14 and 15 says this, the great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens quickly. The noise of the day of the Lord is bitter. There the mighty men shall cry out. Verse 15, that day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of devastation and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Reaping what they've sown, directly connected. Duke, this day hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. But God has sent days along the way oh, to, yeah, teach yeah, us yeah. About, to teach us about this day. Oh, yeah. This is the big one. But you just think about as you launching into Scripture, he creates Adam in the fall, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden in the fall. Then you fast forward to the day of God's wrath here that you're talking, the scripture is talking yep. about here. But along the way, God has demonstrated wrath with the flood, with the uh, Tower of Babel, with the uh, judgment of Sodom. And each time there's lessons to be learned by the, the, the humanity to see here's what happened. And the evidence of the flood is everywhere. Layers of rock laid down by water all over the earth, filled with dead things. The evidence of uh, of uh, Babel, they've actually found the ruins of the Tower of Babel, the ruins of Sodom on the south side of what is the Dead Sea today. And so these aren't just little stories like a little Esau. Series. These are these, events. These are events that the archaeology proves they really right. happened. Right. And God allowed that for our learning. So we don't have to suffer his wrath. We learn from it. And he's also done this on a personal level or on an individual level, right? I mean, look at look at Judas. God said better for a man to be have a millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea than for the man that's going to betray Jesus. Yeah, it'd been better for him not ever even to, to have been, been born. born. Yep. So what we see is we see individual wrath poured out on people as well. So all through the scriptures, you see both through, like you said, the Tower of Babel and the flood and so on and so forth. And we see it on an individual level. What about Korah? Mm-hmm. Where God uh, opened the earth, Korah and the two hundred fifty princes that got the people who thought they were somebody among yeah. the others. They gathered gathered together against Moses. God, I'll show. You, God said, "I'll show you who's the boss." <laughs> Moses gave one of the shortest prophecies in the Bible. If I if you die a natural death, then I'm not God's man. But if the earth opens up and swallows you, you go straight to hell. <laughs> then you'll know that I'm the man. And five minutes later, the earth opens up. They knew Moses was the man. The but you know what's you know what's crazy. The next day, oh, yeah. the next day, Israel, all the people of Israel started accusing Moses of being the ungodly one. You killed the prophets. You, God, can- <laughs> you, killed, you killed all God's people. After Moses said. They didn't learn from it, did they? They didn't learn from it. And then God had to send another judgment plague mm-hmm. among them and the guilty people uh, died. Another, but, what was it, 14,000 or something like that that died? Yeah. It's crazy. I, I remember. But it was the next day after he says, if the earth opens yeah, up. The very and swa- next day. Yeah, the if the next day. earth opens up and swallows you, you're the guilty one. Earth opens up and swallows them. The next day, not even 24 hours later, Moses was the bad guy. They didn't get it. So you see, God allowed those judgments before his learning. How could we be so slow, Duke? It's worse than slow. It's being blatantly stupid. You know, so God allowed those judgments to, to teach us. I remember being in high school. We had this visiting teacher who was filling in and uh, for one of our teachers who had to go away to play professional baseball. And Mr. Nye, his name was, and he came in. He turned out to be a disciplinarian. I was an eighth grader. I knew everything in eighth grade. You know, three years, you learn a lot. Right. I'm in eighth grade study hall, and I'm being totally stupid. And I, I mean, really being stupid. And he looked up. And he thought it was the guy in front of me that was disrupting, and it really was me. 
And this kid's name was Keith Fife, and he was a nice guy, real <laughs> humble, quiet, meek guy. <laughs> he looks up. Fife, do you have a problem? No, no, no. And he came back and grabbed Fife. I mean, and they'd go to prison for this today. Right. He threw him out in a, in a hall up, up against the lockers, lockers, and it was loud. And I'm in there, like, trembling <laughs> because I was the guilty one. And he, he he had a paddle, and he whacked him, like, five times. And Fife was screaming out there. Let me tell you, I'm sitting in And you there. didn't tell him it was you? It, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> No. No, I didn't. <laughs> did you apologize to Fife? I, I did. Fife, I don't know if Fife even knew it was me being the, the stupid one. Fife, do you have a problem? No, sir. Yeah. That's what you think. Yes, you do. <laughs> and he whacked him. I'm wham, crack, smack. And Fife wet his pants. <laughs> he was so scared. And he, he came back in the in the room. In front of the whole class. I mean, it was wet. <laughs> and I'm sitting there. I am the guilty one. And Fife took the wrath from me. It's like, I owe this dude, you know. Let me tell you what. Little Duke did not misbehave anymore in Mr. Nye's class forever. I learned my lesson. And I think I bought Fife a bottle of Coke Pop. <laughs> Ask him to forgive me. Yeah, in Ohio, it's Pop. Pop, yeah. yeah. Bottle of Pop in Ohio. Soda out here in New York. Yeah. But, oh, you know, so we saw the wrath of Mr. Nye. He said, we're just not going to, we don't play games here. I don't right. play games. I don't know what your other teacher did, but I don't play games. And you know what? Nobody messed with him, and he turned out to be a really great guy. Yeah, he just had he just had his standard, and just we don't want yeah. You violated, somebody violated, he got the wrong guy, mm -hmm. poor Fife. But we learned from that, and we respected this man, mm -hmm. and we really turned out to like him a lot. He was a great guy, but yeah. just... Just do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. That's and that's God's wrath. You know, God's wrath against sin and disobedience is perfectly justified, even though sometimes we don't think that it is, because his plan for mankind is holy and perfect. Yeah. Mr. Nye's wrath wasn't perfect. No. It was human, but we still learn from it. Right, right. <laughs> See, that's it. Now, God's wrath, if we should, and we, it, it is perfect. Right. It's only poured out against evil, right? And we should learn from it. We're living in a, day, a time today where people judge God, and uh, they, they'll pour their wrath out on God, and they'll blaspheme. They God. do, and uh, without, and you know what's without, crazy? Without hesitancy, is God provided a way to gain divine favor. It's called repentance. Yeah. Literally, it's called repentance, and that repentance turns God's wrath away from the sinner. If we repent. You know, and for Israel, he just wanted them to repent. Every time we've seen God's wrath poured out, it could have been avoided if there was just repentance. You know, listen, number one, and then if you screw up, repent. But he says, our, I love you. I don't want to do this, but my holiness requires it. Yeah. And to reject that perfect plan of God's is to reject God. And that is rejecting God's love, mercy, grace, and his favor and then what happens is we bring the wrath, God's wrath, his holy, righteous wrath upon ourselves. And the New Testament supports God as a God of wrath who judges sin. And this is where people get tripped up on God is love, God is love, God is love. But we're going to see that even in the New Testament, that God as a God of wrath judges sin. You cannot escape and we'll see it in Luke chapter 16 with Lazarus and the rich man, right? We see Lazarus in the Abraham's bosom. And where is the rich man who is the, and he's not in hell because he's rich. He's in hell because uh, that is the consequences for his unrepentant sin. Mm -hmm. Or not seeking God. And in hell he left up at his eyes being in torment, saying, Father Abraham sent Lazarus that, that he may dip the his finger in the water and touched my tongue from tormented in this place. You know, when I was in Bible college, John, I read that, that little, that passage in the Bible every day for three years, because that's why you and I do what we do. It we is. want people to be prepared for eternity. That's why we do podcasts. And that's why we study. That's why we do our pastoral work, uh, 60 hours a week and on a, on a light week on for, a light for, for week. you. 
And we do it with all of our heart because we want people to be ready. And he gave us his word, and wrath is part of it. And God doesn't want to pour out his wrath upon people, but his holiness will require it. Well, John 3.36. John 3.36 says this, exactly what you just said. He who believes in the Son, being Jesus Christ, has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son, Jesus Christ, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Present tense. It isn't going to be God's wrath someday. It's it's already here. It just hasn't manifested itself. Exactly. But that day of God's wrath is coming. And, you know, it's funny. I, I believed in the wrath of God even before I knew the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I just had a sense that, well, I had a dad who had standards, and my dad was a mess and everything. He got saved. You'll meet him one day. You'll explain a lot when you meet my You're going to love my dad. He's going to love you. He really is. But uh, my dad, um, it wasn't a strict disciplinarian, but he just had certain rules. And there weren't very many, but you just didn't ever talk back to him right. or to mom. Right. You did not talk back. And if you did, it was automatic. And you did not even want to yeah. think about it. It was bad. It. Yeah. It was more of a loud clout to the snout <laughs> than uh, than it was a little you know timeouts. That right. dad didn't have timeouts. You know he might knock you out. Right, but he, right. He was be timeout. Yeah, your timeout was recovery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that recovery time? Yeah, That's and funny. but you know what? He was consistent with that. Right. We knew we were allowed to drink, and we were we were un, ungodly family, but we were allowed to drink, just not drink and drive. I knew that if I drank and drove he would probably beat me to the edge of eternity. So therefore there was standard. Right. And it was consistent with that. It was only two or three rules, but But you better tote the rules. Yeah. And he was very faithful on that. So God is, is a just God and all God's rules. This was a big thing for me to get hold of the wrath of God. The, all God's rules are love rules, you know, they are all all the laws that God has for us. All His rules is because He loves us. Yeah. I don't let my grandkids play out in the street because I love them. Right. I don't let them eat their uh, candy first before dinner because I love them. I want them to have health. And I was a, a young believer when I realized all these rules from God. They're all love rules. They're to our benefit. Yeah. And so violating that, it's hurting me, and it also hurts God. Right. And all of a sudden, you begin to look at the rules as those are protections for me. Those are those are channels of blessing. God's favor will be upon me. And if people don't know anything about that, they see the wrath. How could he be a God of wrath? He's a God of love. I know. Oh, man. And lo- love carries discipline, man. It really does. Listen, it, uh, we talked about it. Romans 5, 6 through 11 discusses the one who believes in Jesus will not suffer God's wrath. Because now, once you believe in Jesus Christ, now you become a son of God or a child of God and not an enemy. You receive God's correction, God's chastisement, but you will not receive his wrath. His wrath. There's a massive difference. In Romans 5, 6 through 11, it says this. <clears throat> For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and me. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. That is the deliverance is Jesus Christ. He's the deliverance from God's wrath. Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What a gift. But it's so clear. It's either life in Jesus or wrath of God without. The principle of God's wrath became most precious to me in the passion story of Christ. We just celebrated Easter recently. And the night he was arrested, he's praying in the garden. He holds up a cup that no one can see and says, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will thine be done. And disciples are waking up and they see, they see him praying with agony and holds up a cup they cannot see. 
Then moments later, Judas brings in the or the the temple guards to arrest right. Jesus, and uh, Peter whops off Malchus's ear, and Jesus heals the ear and tells Peter, "Put this your sword in the sheath. If you live by the sword, you die by the sword." And then he says, "Everything's going to be okay. I'll drink the cup." Again, Jesus holds up a cup they cannot see. He said, "I'll drink the cup. Everything will be fine." And the disciples in that moment, they're like, "What cup are you talking about? The Passover that was earlier that night at the seder." I don't see a cup. What is he? But we know he was talking about drinking the the cup of the of, wrath of, of God against the sins of the world. And all of a sudden, Jesus becomes so precious. God's wrath, God's perfect holiness, right. the, the the payment for every sin that I've done. It's personal. Every sin that I've done. Yep. I'm, I'm tuning out Hitler and Mussolini and all these wacko Jeffrey Dominers of the world. I put stuff in that cup, my sins, and the wrath of a holy God was poured out on Jesus for me. And 11 says, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. The wrath was satisfied in Jesus and so I don't really think about the wrath of God so much for me. I'm chastened. I'm, I'm corrected. His wrath won't be poured out upon me, but I want to help other people so the wrath of God won't be poured out upon them. Well, Romans 2, 5 through 6, because for those who do not believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, they will be judged. And we find on, on the day of wrath, Romans 2, 5 through 6, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, in accordance to what you desired, because your heart is hard and you don't want to surrender to God. That's what it's saying. Uh, so it says, but in, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. Mm -hmm. Wrath is waiting or grace yep. is waiting. And you change. will render the wrath. You will get it. That's what God said. And you're storing up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath. I mean, this verse, this passage can't be any more clear than to understand that it is our actions being that is it's our sin that brings on the wrath and it is our disbelief in Jesus Christ that seals the day of wrath. Mm -hmm. When some people hear about wrath, they're broken and they repent and they get grace and everlasting life. Yeah. And uh, eyes have not seen ears nor have ears heard nor enter in the heart of man the wonderful things God has prepared for them that love him or wrath. That's it. Yeah. You know, human wrath is warned against. We find it in Romans 12, 19, Ephesians 4, 26, Colossians 3, 8 through 10, and some other places where it says that we're not to avenge. In Romans 12, 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And the reason that, that we are to surrender man's wrath is, is because God alone is able to avenge because his vengeance is perfect and holy, whereas man's wrath is sinful. Mm -hmm. That's the five-pointer right That's there. That's the five-pointer. Man's wrath is sinful, and it opens us up to demonic influence. Mm -hmm. It opens us up to satisfying the things of Satan rather than satisfying the things of God, which is that demonic influence. In a moment of my wrath, I become crazy. I we have, do things that are off the chart. And it's, um, God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You're not to be people of wrath. Right. And yet I, I still suffer those wrathful emotions. By the grace of God, I have not hurt anybody in ministry. I've not screamed. But on the inside, that, that wrath, I still feel it. Well, we were just talking earlier, like we wanted to, throat punch somebody <laughs> that's that yeah. that's that 
inner wrath that we have to control. Yeah, and that's uh, why the Holy Spirit is there. That's why I get to I, keep that under control. Well, for the Christian, anger and wrath are inconsistent with our new nature in Christ, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So to want to throat punch, if you will, someone, mm-hmm. that's inconsistent with the nature of God or the nature of Christ. To satisfy the wrath with that we have inside of ourselves. Listen, it's understandable that you would have it within you, but with Jesus, you no longer act it out. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when King David uh, made that foolish mistake of doing the census and seeing how mighty my army is and what I could do without God, you know, with his own army. It was foolish. And Joab was kind of a hot mess, but Joab gave him good counsel. David, don't do it. it, it we trust in the Lord, not in the side, in any way God's, God's wrath was going to be, uh, was going to be outpoured. He is going to have to pay for that, that terrible uh, sin. And, and God said, I'll, you can have the, have seven years of famine. Yeah, I'll give you a choice. I'll give you a choice. That's seven so years crazy. of famine. I'll give you three months at the hand of uh, your enemy. Your enemy. Uh, that's man's wrath. Or I'll give you uh, three days under my wrath. <laughs> David didn't have a hard time making that choice. He said, I'll take three days of your wrath. Yeah, because God's wrath is also mixed with mercy. Well, because David knows God and David surrendered to God, he realized God's wrath would be way more lenient than, than man's, man's wrath. wrath. Yeah. Yeah, that that's huge. It's I think massive. I, I think I get a point for that, John. Okay, I'm going to give you two. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you had six to two though so that's why i'm not giving a whole lot this is I, great stuff though johnny it, you know we're we're being silly sometimes this is this is very very important foundational things for our thinking biblical thinking yeah and when we look at romans if you were to read romans 8 5 through 8 it shows victory over sin in the life of the one who is living in the spirit of god and that's what we were just talking about david you know, where David is, um, he's like, God, I'll take your wrath because as hard as you will be on me, you love me. Mm. Oh, <laughs> my enemy doesn't yeah. love me. Wow. That's, that's it. And David knew God loved David. That's why it was so much. And, and he could trust God's wrath in that instance. You can't trust the enemy's wrath. Mm-hmm. It's unpredictable. God is, pre- God is predictable when he loves you. You know, some people, they think, they just hear the word wrath and they get mad. Don't talk about that, you know. And yet, whenever I hear the word wrath, it, it, it just brings me to the cross where the wrath of God was poured out right. against the sins of the world on Jesus. And so when, when people hear wrath, they get upset. When I, get, when I hear wrath, I, I get blessed. Well, because you're a child of God. And so there, there's no fear yeah. Because again, we know God loves us, but for those that have rejected God, mm-hmm. he's going to pour the, his wrath out on them. They should fear. And fear and tremble. And don't. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, Romans, I was saying earlier where Romans shows victory over sin in the life of the one who is living in the spirit or trusting God. And so when we look here in Romans 8, 5 through 8, it says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, right? We are what we think. We accomplish what we think, what we focus on. That's what we do. But those who live according to the Holy Spirit, we focus on the things of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6 says, for to be carnally or worldly minded is death. And that death is separation from God. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God or it would be read as because the mind of the world is war against God. We get the word enemy from enmity, battle, conflict, war. Yeah, and then our flesh is at war with the spirit. Yep, and verse 7 goes on, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. How can someone of the world 
be or act or live according to God when your heart is set on the world. And we're going to do a podcast on this one day. What does it mean that Satan was your father or is your father? We're going to do a podcast on that. And so uh, verse 8 goes on, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who live according to the world cannot please God. Those who deny Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior cannot please God. And Philippians 4, 4 through 7 talks about the mind is controlled by the Spirit, right? And it's filled with peace because that's of God. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have God. It's just and you don't have peace. And you don't have peace. It all goes hand in hand. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You want the peace of God? You live according to God. You want the wrath of God? Deny Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. A thinking person would say, no brainer. I'll take the peace of God. Yeah, Give I'll me take, Jesus. I'll take everlasting life. Sounds pretty good to me. Right. Jesus sits on the throne of our heart. I did a lousy job sitting on the throne of my own heart. Oh my, why, why wouldn't I want Jesus on the throne? Dude, of my how heart? dark is the man's heart? How dark is man's heart? I remember the darkness. My children got saved young, and they never knew the world. They didn't know what it was to wake up in your own vomit, in your own urine from overdosing on alcohol or drugs, and and all the filth of that world. And I'm glad they never they never yep. knew that. But those and, of us who have been there, I'm just. I'm just drunk in the grace of God. Amen. Forgiven, everlasting life. Jesus, sit on the throne of my heart and let me make you make my choices for me. I surrender to you. And you know, the wrath of God, it's, it doesn't, it alarms me because I want nobody to face it, right. but it moves me because Jesus took the wrath for me. It just makes me love Jesus yeah. and loving Jesus is loving people. And loving people is having purpose in this life, and the world's caving in. But we, our, our mission is the same. Well, like you said, you know, when we talk about the wrath of God for the Christian, it is discipline from God. We talk about the wrath of God for the lost man; it is hellfire. Yeah, the worm dieth not, and the fire is not for eternity. Quenched. For eternity. Hey guys, listen. Tough stuff. Uh, it is so hard, but I want to give you this one verse, Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. It is only through Jesus Christ can you be justified from, uh, by his blood and saved from God's wrath. The wrath of God is a fearsome and terrifying thing. Make no mistake about it. And only those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ can be assured that God's wrath will never fall on them. Guys, I hope this has helped you. If it has, please like, share, subscribe, and follow. Until the next time, God bless. God bless.